It really is a joy to celebrate this day of resurrection with you all. I want you to know this, and I just I mean this. We've been praying for you, uh, for that power, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead to bless you and raise you up as well. You know, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, for eternity. For one day, all of us will die and none of us know when. And we must make sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that we will ascend into heaven. You know, of course, the choice is ours. You know, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. You know, not only that, not only heaven, but, you know, the question is, we're, we're all going to die. But another question is that we got to deal with, we got to settle in our souls. And it's heavy in my heart today is whether or not you really live. Are we really living? And by that, I'm not talking about the beating of your heart or the breath in your lungs. I'm talking about living your life with a purpose. Are we living life as people with purpose? Human beings being what we were made to be. Disciples doing what we were designed to do. How is your life as a person? Are you living with that purpose that God has given to you? You know, of course, we all have different roles and responsibilities. I think, of course, primarily parents. But man, the, the spectrum is wide. Police officers, politicians, plumbers, I have to say pastors. Um, but I would even say players. And by that, I mean basketball players. Any basketball players here out of curiosity, you know? Because I, I think of one man who, at least in this season of his life, is living the life he's called to live, doing what he was designed to do. You know, some of you know who he is. Most of you probably don't. But he's an example of a man living life with purpose. Many consider him to be the best basketball player on planet Earth at this juncture in history. But that's not the best part of it, to be honest with you. The best part of it is that he's a Christian and he's using his platform for his purpose. He's using his arena for the Almighty. He's using the gym for Jesus. He's using that center stage in sports for the Savior of the world. The man that I'm speaking about is a man named Stephen Curry, and he's here with us today. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I think we have a picture of him, in case you guys don't know who he is. And, you know, this is, this is what he said. Um, he said this, I try to use every game as an opportunity to witness, to be a witness for Christ. When I step on the floor, people should know who I represent, who I believe in. And you know, I bring that up today. I thought that was cool because I want to ask you a question. How about you? Some of you here today, you're not believers. You're not Christians. There are some of you here today and God will offer you life, heaven, forgiveness, freedom, love, joy, peace. Everything that's good, you make a decision to follow Christ. But how about the rest of us that are Christians? My heart goes out to you because I pray that you would be people living your life 
with the purpose that God has given you? Do you use every game, every day, every opportunity? Have you embraced your responsibility? Do you even know what it is? And again, I bring him up, not to put him on a pedestal, because every man falls from his pedestal. He's just a man. All men are marred. But we ponder those two questions today. When you die, will you live with God? And while you live, will you live for God? This is a question for us today as we study the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Are you being what you're supposed to be? Are you doing what you're supposed to do? Remember, only one life, soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. Stephen Curry, he's a Golden State warrior. And I was thinking about this. Uh, Some of you ladies and a few of you gentlemen are prayer warriors. I thank God for you. You're living your life with purpose. Some of you here are single moms, and it's not easy, but you're doing your best to point your children to their Heavenly Father. I thank God for you, because you're living your life with purpose, and your labor is not in vain. And we have so many in the church, sold-out servants, who serve the children, who serve the youth, who serve the young adults and you're changing their lives and God's using your life and I thank God for you and we have missionaries in Cambodia and Mexico and all around the world and even here in Almani right over there on Garvian Valley I thank God for you we have musicianaries and the church is blessed with You know, consistent, assistant pastors, faithful families. I mean, we have guys, and I can share with you, just like that man, who know that they've been given a platform with a purpose, that they have an arena with God's agenda. I was thinking about two guys that come to the church. One of them works for UPS, the other works for FedEx. They both love Jesus. And God is using them tremendously out there on the front lines. God wants to use you with your family. Fathers, here today, God has called you to lead your family to heaven. Are you doing that? Moms, husbands, wives, and then out there in the workforce. That's not God just giving you a place to work so you can make money. That's God giving you a place to work where you can shine. For Jesus Christ. You know, the truth is, here's a man, and these are people fulfilling their role and responsibility, and has everything to do with what we're celebrating today because it's only made possible by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, John 10 10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more. Abundantly, Make no mistake about it. The devil wants to steal you from God, kill you, and destroy you forever. That's the agenda of the adversary. But God wants to give you life. And that more abundantly. So let's talk about that today. And as we do, I pray the Lord would speak and that we would listen and that some of you will be moved out of your seats and out of your old life. I mean, I think some of you, wouldn't you say that you're due? You're due for an update. You're due for a day 
with a different life. You're due. God's calling you to come forward and to go forward in your life, in your spiritual journey, to find that life and that purpose that He has planned for you. And so we need to know this today. It's all rooted in the resurrection. And so here in Matthew 28, we have the account. Look what it says in verse 1. It says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And so, you know, we know on, on Friday Jesus died. Uh, it was just prior to the Sabbath day, and so they didn't have time to properly anoint his body for burial. And so, uh, here it is, it's early Sunday morning, the lovely ladies, they're so faithful, they want to go to the tomb, and they expect to see Jesus dead, and they want to find his body, and they want to anoint it in a way that would honor their Lord. And so, they're on their way, and we read next, it says, and behold, in verse 2, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And so this is the, the first Easter Sunday, the first Resurrection Sunday. The ladies are on their way to anoint the body. And as they're on their way, God sends angels to the tomb as well. And when the angels come, we're not sure why there was an earthquake. Maybe it was when they entered Earth's atmosphere, but there was an earthquake. And the angel comes, the Bible says, and rolls the two-ton stone because the tomb had been sealed with it. Rolls the stone out of the way and sits on the stone. And, and the Bible describes the angel. Imagine that. If you would use your imagination just for a second, his face was like lightning. I mean, imagine that brilliant light, beautiful, awesome, so awesome, close as white as snow that when these big buff, you know, guys, these Roman soldiers saw the angels, what does the Bible say? It says they fainted. They fainted, right? And so you would imagine the ladies would be afraid at such an angelic appearance. And so the angel addresses the ladies next. It says, But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. I mean, the angel said, I, I know why you're here. Don't be afraid. I need to tell you a message. What are angels? Angels are messengers from God. This is the message you need to know. In, uh, we know you came to see the one who died, who's crucified, but he is not here because he's alive. What does the angel say? The angel says that he is risen from the dead. You see, this is, this is Easter Sunday. You know, I was listening to the news and the guy on the news, he was saying, well, today's a celebration of spring and hope. And I, and I wanted to just kind of beat up the guy, but I can't do stuff like that, you know. And I was like, no, dude, it's a day about Jesus. It's not about the bunny. It's about the one who rose from the dead. I mean, if this is true, do you believe that if this is true, what does it mean? 
What does it mean? I mean, you know, you can go to Israel today and you can visit the very tomb and and they know it's the tomb of Christ because of the location of it. But the primary reason they know it's the tomb of Jesus is because it's without a trace of human decomposition, not a drop of human decay in that tomb. Just as the Bible prophesied in Psalm 16, verse 10, a thousand years before Christ, that the Holy One would not undergo corruption or human decay. Archaeologists have found the tomb to be absent of any human remains because Jesus did not stay dead. He rose from the dead and that immediately then sanctified the tomb to be so special that they would never put a dead man's body in there ever again. That's why there's not a drop of decay in the tomb right now. You know, if you go to the theaters, there's a movie out. It's called Risen. And the movie is about the Roman government and the Roman soldiers looking for the dead body of Jesus. Just as we would today, if any body disappeared, we would investigate. Where is it? Who dug it up? But they never found the dead body of Jesus because there wasn't one to be found. He's not dead. He's alive. And he's risen from the dead. Do you know that? Do you understand that? And if you do, do you realize, do you follow that through to its logical conclusion that you owe God your life? He is alive. I heard a story about a teacher who gave an assignment to his students and they were to write an essay on the greatest living man. And the teacher was thinking that the students might write a paper on the humanitarians of the day or the great politicians or perhaps some Nobel Peace Prize winner. But one student wrote the essay on Jesus Christ. The teacher read the paper and approached the student and said, this is a wonderful paper, but you misunderstood. I said the greatest living man. Someone who is alive. And the student responded, the teacher, teacher, he is alive. See, do we know this? You know, according to the scriptures, not only did they see the empty tomb, but they saw the risen Lord. He was first seen by Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast seven demons. Then he was seen by the other women who were returning from the tomb. They saw him. Next, he came and walked with two disciples on the road to Emmaus who were going the wrong way. Jesus came and walked with them, turned them around to get them on that right road. That Sunday evening, he spent time with ten of the disciples. One was missing. His name is Thomas. So he doubted. But the next Sunday, he spent time with all eleven of them. According to John chapter 21, he ate fish tacos with seven of the disciples. You can read it there. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6, the Bible says that he appeared to 500 people at once. I mean, in this auditorium, the seats, 500 seats, they all saw the risen Lord. Not just an empty tomb. You see, we have witnesses. This is not... A hallucination. This is a collaboration of hundreds of witnesses who went to their grave affirming the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you have to face it. You have to deal with it because one day you will stand before God and he will tell you, I told you my son is alive. 
Now, many of you here, you're saying, well, I'm not a mysticist and I'm not mystical. I'm a scientist and I want empirical evidence. Well, I want you to know that God's okay with that. And in the same way that we know Jesus rose from the dead is the same way we know everything about the people of the past. History and Abraham Lincoln or Napoleon or George Washington. It's all etched in history. But this is different. This is undeniable history. You know, I've told you guys before about that man named Simon Greenleaf who was the dean of law at Harvard University. He's an atheist. And one day his students challenged him to examine the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So here's Simon Greenleaf, Dean of Law at Harvard University, an atheist, and he takes the challenge of his students to examine the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ because he thinks, I'll gather the evidence and I'll write a book on how foolish Christianity is. But as he examines the empirical, historical, undeniable evidence, Simon Greenleaf becomes a Christian. Because the evidence is abounding. It's astounding that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. What does that mean to you? What difference does it make in your life? You know, I think it's important for us to know it makes all the difference in the world. Maybe you've heard me say it a million times. You know, Christ has gutted the grave. He's conquered the coffin. He's defeated death. He has proven himself Proven who he is. He is the living Lord of all. And at his name, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I mean, think about it. You guys, you know, and I know you're here and you're like, well, it's Easter. I got to go to church because then afterwards I'm going to have a good family time. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I kind of wish I could come over to your house and maybe eat a little bit of food because I have a feeling you're going to have a good time. But You know, I mean, don't let this be the church thing that you check off your list. Don't be a CEO Christian. Those are the ones that only go to church on Christmas and Easter only, right? (laughs) Right here, right now, meet with God. Because He's alive. Hope is here. Jesus is here. He loves you. It's not a religion. It's a relationship that He wants to start Today, I mean, think about it. Have you ever heard of anyone else in the history of the world who rose from the dead by his own power? Of course you haven't. You know, there's a, a few things about Christianity that separated from any other religion or belief or faith in the world. And, and this is one of them. It's the only religion in the world to demonstrate victory over death. You know, not to disrespect anyone else, but you can travel to the city of Medina today and visit the tomb of Muhammad. I think we might have a picture. I'm not sure. But, you know, when you look uh, at Medina and that beautiful location, um, you'll see a green dome that's placed right above the body of Muhammad because his body is still there. He died and stayed dead. Buddha's body was cremated, but if you go to Sri Lanka, today you can visit his right tooth, believe it or not. I mean, again, not to offend anyone, but the grave of Confucius is there in his hometown of Khufu within the Shandong province of China. 
In all honesty, you could just go on and on, whether it be Taoism, founded by Luozzi, or Zoroastrianism, found by Zoroaster, or Scientology, founded by L. Ron Hubbard, died and was cremated, and they, they just scattered his ashes in the Pacific Ocean. All this is common knowledge. Only Jesus died and rose again. And that's how we know Christianity is true. This is the sign given to civilization. Watch, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 2. And in John chapter 2, we read a discussion that Jesus had with the religious leaders. And in verse 18... The Bible says the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show to us since you do these things? I mean, Jesus was claiming to be God. He was doing the most amazing works and demanding that worship. And so they asked for a sign. What sign do you show to us since you do these things? Since you're cleansing the temple. And Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Was he talking about the, the building or was he talking about his body? I think you know he was talking about his body. He said the resurrection would be the sign. You know, if you go to Matthew chapter 12, we see the same thing. In Matthew chapter 12, the one sign that Jesus was to give. The Bible says, as he discussed with the religious leaders that he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You see, for the Jew, any part of the day meant the entire day and all Jesus is saying is on the third day, so that you would know that my words are true and that I am true, I will rise from the dead. And indeed, that's exactly what he did. I mean, that's our Lord. And it's crazy, you know, as if healing the blind wasn't enough, or the lame, or the leper, or the mute, or the deaf, or if raising others who were dead wasn't enough. I mean, the one who performed the greatest works ever done, who spoke the greatest words ever spoken, as if all of that weren't enough to convince us of His Lordship. Jesus said, this is the sign, the single most significant sign of all. I will rise from the dead on the third day. And I, and I pray, when you look at this, I don't know about you, but to me it makes perfect sense. I mean... You know, not to freak anybody out, but we will all die one day. You know, what then? We know we don't want it to, to end in a, in a dead end. So, I don't know, think this through with me. If you would, would not it make sense to follow the one who defeated death? That's why Jesus said, this is the sign. You know, something interesting, the religious leaders of the day, they, they, they totally missed it. You know, um, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the religious leaders went up to him as he's there bearing their sins, bloody, bruised, beaten and battered with a crown of thorns on his head. And they, they went up to him and they said, save yourself. If you're the Messiah, 
Come down from that cross, save yourself, and then we'll believe in you. But see, if Jesus would have come down from the cross, perhaps he would have saved himself, but he would not have saved you or me or us or anyone. I mean, these guys were so far off, they asked Jesus to come down from the cross and then they would believe. As a matter of fact, they were actually thinking too low. Instead of going to the cross and saying, come down, then we'll believe. You know what they should have done? They should have gone to the tomb. And they should have stood outside the tomb and they should have said this, if you're the Messiah, come out of the tomb and then we'll believe. Because that's exactly what he did. You see, Christianity is not for people who check their brains in at the door. It's fact. It's fact. But what we need to do in order to unlock that door is we have to take a step of faith. You see, that's how it works. If you want that freedom and forgiveness and peace and purpose and joy for the journey, if you want love that only God can give, you must take that step of faith. I mean, you look at all this and I don't know where you guys are, but some people ask, well, what difference does it really make to me? I mean, I don't live in the first century. I live in the 21st century. I don't live in Jerusalem. I live in, in Almani or whatever, the San Gabriel Valley. How does the resurrection of Jesus Christ affect me? What difference does it make? Well, I'm praying it makes a difference. You know, in all reality, it might not make any difference at all if you don't believe. But if you believe, it makes all the difference in the world. Here's the thing, because he lives, you can live too. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. You know, and I see it as a pastor, and I know you do too, as Christians, as people living on planet Earth, that family over there, and I think of people all the time as I'm praying, her dad, her dad, her dad, her dad, her dad. Her. I can think of these people right now in my face. Died. Her husband, her husband, died. Their grandson, her little boy, their brother, their nephew, died. This is life. And so what, what difference does it make, Manny? Don't you see? Don't you see it makes all the difference in the world? Because though they die in Christ, they live. Though they died and they're gone, one day we will be reconciled to them. In Christ, we can be reconciled to God. We can be reconciled to our loved ones. I love John 14, 19. Jesus said a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You will live also. I mean, think about it for a second. Be honest. Do you think that you just live and die and you're done? Do you really think that you cease to exist? That there's not a soul within you? You will live on. You will either ascend or descend. But you must choose who you will follow. Woven within the fabric of our very being, we know 
This can't be it. We know that there's got to be more because the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that God has put eternity in our hearts. You see, the message of the angels and then the message of the, the women and the message of the disciples and the message of God and the message to His church and the message today, ever since that first Resurrection Sunday, is that He is not dead. He is alive, risen from the dead. And therefore, you can live too. You know, as we close our service today, I... I just pray that you would know this is a special day. You know, there is power present to change your life. I believe that God brought you here because He loves you and because He wants to do a new work inside. Whether you're here and you're not a Christian, you have to make that first-time commitment. Or whether you're one of those who maybe you've fallen off the road and you're going the wrong way. And then Jesus, like those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, He comes to them and He appears to them and He walks with them. And He says, here, let me help you get back on the road where you belong. Because life has its way. The Bible says, all we like sheep, we've gone astray. And we are living in a fallen world and fallen bodies and we're fighting fallen angels. They're demons. And some people are in bondage to drugs and alcohol and pornography. And some of those marriages, they're just hanging by a thread. And God is saying, the reason is I want to come in and I want to bless your life. You know, we're talking about purpose. And I was talking to my son on the way over here, and he's all, Dad, how does it work? How do you know your purpose? Because I tell you what, I don't want to die one day with any woulda, coulda, shouldas. I want to look, I don't want to look back on my life and see that I wasted my life. I don't want to be one of those Christians who had a saved soul and a wasted existence. I don't want to be that way. So we're talking, he's all, Dad, well, how do you know your purpose? How can you be like a a Stephen Curry, a man who is doing what he's designed to do, who's being what he's supposed to be, who's using the platform for his purpose, the arena for the Almighty, the gym for you. How can you be that type of person, Dad? And I told him this. I said, son, you know, the way that it usually works is that you've got to follow the Lord one step at a time. You've got to get in right relationship with Him. You have to draw near to Him. You have to make a decision every single day to follow Him, to listen to Him, to spend time with Him. You seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You trust in the Lord with all your heart. You lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Some people want it now. They want, well, tell me what it is, God. Am I supposed to be the President of the United States? I wish some of you guys would run, to be honest with you. <laughs> Maybe it is. I don't know, but usually God won't show you that from day one. Day one, He tells you to get your life right. Day one, He says, stop living for yourself and start living for me. You see, that's how it works. That's how we find our purpose. By making a decision to get our life right with God. I pray that today, wherever you are, you would know His love. And that you would not leave this place the same. And the Bible says that I may know Him 
and the power of his resurrection. I mean, how do you overcome crystal meth? How do you get out of gang violence? How do you fix a marriage that's on the rocks? How can you restore your family relationships? How do we do this? Well, we do this with the power that God provides and that he wants to give you today. I remember growing up, I had a friend and and he used to work on cars and this guy was so good. I mean, we used to go to his house and he'd be working on cars and fixing them up and just anything. And, you know, from time to time, we don't see this too much now, but back then we used to do it frequently. He would drop a new engine in a car, you know, because whatever, he wanted something, uh, whether it be a, a, an engine that was blown or, or maybe he just wanted something more powerful, but he'd get that cherry picker and he'd pull the old one that didn't work out anymore. And he put the new engine in. And then I, I'll never forget, you know, we, we get in that car, whether it be some 67 Mustang or, you know, some Dodge Charger or some Chevy Nova. And we get in that car and I'll tell you what, we step on the gas and boom, we would experience power. Well, that's the way it, it works with God. He wants to drop power into your life. We can't do this on our own strength. What you got to do is you got to go to the Lord and you got to go to the one who loves you and who is able to drop a new engine inside, a new heart inside, a new life inside to breathe on you. He is here today because he loves you. You are here today because he loves you. And I believe with all my heart that there's nothing like Easter Sunday. There's this, this joy. There's this spring in our step. There's this hope in our heart. There's this power that's present unlike any other day. And I can tell you about that person and that person and that person and so many in the history of my life who have gone forward on Easter Sunday and I see them today. They're not the same walking with God. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're hearing God knocking on the door of your heart you know, to give your life to Him, to receive that forgiveness, to receive that power that only He can provide. I pray, you guys, that today you would make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And I want you to know this, that Jesus said either you're for me or against me. There is no middle ground. And so I pray that today you would make that decision to go get right with, with God. You know, um, Easter, um, Resurrection Sunday, I think of three words. Number one, celebration. Mark said it. Henry said it. You guys are looking good. You really are, man. You know, you got your nice uh, clothes. And isn't it cool to see the kids in their Easter dresses? I mean, it's just beautiful, huh? The, the way they're all dressed up. And I don't know what you guys got planned today, but are you guys excited to spend time with family? Yes. No? Okay, well, you, you should be. It's going to be fun, and the food is going to be good. And I pray just the joy in the air would bless you, and that it would be a day of celebration. Secondly, though, I pray it would be a day of realization 
And, and by that I mean that, you know, for you who are Christians, who maybe you haven't been sold out, surrendered, completely committed, you've been straddling the fence, why? Why would you distance yourself from God who loves you? Why wouldn't you be all in? The realization, God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you. God said, when I knit you together in your mother's womb, I had a purpose for you. I pray that for us as Christians, we would come to that realization to get right with God and to find that purpose and that you would make a decision to return. But then the last thing, after the celebration and the realization, you know, probably the most important one is salvation. You know, maybe, you know, your your friend um, dragged you here today, or maybe your mom dragged you here today. You're a drug baby, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they're dragging me to church, I don't know. And um, maybe they said, hey, you know, we'll take you down Money Community Center and afterwards they're going to have some donuts. And you're like, donuts? Oh, okay, I'll go. <laughs> or, you know, maybe your spouse is like, you know, because we see this over and over again. They're like, come on, just come this one day. I mean, it's Easter Sunday. And you're like, okay, I guess I'll do that to oblige them or whatever, your friend. And in all reality, what you find is this is an opportunity for you to have life to know that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you die you'll go to heaven and to know that you know that while you live you will live you will really live a human being being what they're supposed to be a disciple doing what they're designed to do a person who's fulfilling their purpose but you make that decision and what God does is He meets you there. When He died on that cross, He died for all your sins. He paid the price. And what you got to do is you got to believe in Him. You're like, well, how do I get saved? How, how do I find salvation? And it's so simple. Today, we're going to ask you to get up out of your seat and you come and you stand right here. And we're going to pray for you. Because in doing that, what you do is you take a step of faith. Faith is what saves you. In doing that, what you're doing is you're saying to God, I receive the gift of salvation. That's the way it works. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The Bible says that God loves you so much. He loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. I'll never forget the day that I accepted the Lord back on August 20th, 1989. And, I, and, I, and I, just, I just share this with you because what ends up happening is in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in that decision, in that simple decision to go forward and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God comes into your life. And I'll never forget the day that He came into my life and He set me free and He broke the chains and He changed my life and He wants to do that for you today. It's not of works. We'll never be good enough. We can't earn our way into heaven. It's through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not by works. 
All you got to do is believe. And so I pray that today, no matter where we are, that God would meet us here, that you would meet him here, and yet you would make that decision that you need to make. Father, we thank you so much for loving us, Lord, the way that you do. And Lord, I pray for your beautiful people here today, all of them, all of them, created in their image, in your image, all of them, all of them, invited to come to the cross, all of them, all of them with an opportunity to go to heaven and to experience life and that more abundantly. Lord, there is nothing I could say as a man to save a single soul, Lord, but if they would hear your voice, Lord, I pray they would and that today you would save them. Lord, please, as the musicians come forth and as we sing this song, Lord, I pray that many people here would make decisions to follow you, whether it be a first-time commitment or whether it be someone with the courage to acknowledge as a Christian that they've drifted away in their hearts and they need to come back to Jesus. I pray that today you would move us out of our seat and you would help us, Lord, to go forward in our relationship with you. We love you, we thank you, and we entrust this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And what we're going to do now is we're going to sing a song.